Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. We are seeing lower inflation, which is why I'm wondering how you're thinking about the gas price move. Big jump in the month of August. Crude is back above $90 per barrel. The Saudis are extending the production cuts through the end of the year. Are you looking at taking any action on this front? Well, the president wants to make sure that gas prices remain affordable for Americans. Um, Americans care a great deal about the price of gas. Um, they're still down $1.20 off their highs last summer. Although- yes, but they're still up $1.50 from the lows when he took office. And while you you have get oil prices going up, I think the people over there at CNBC said back above $60 a barrel. $60 a barrel? No, 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 no. West Texas Intermediate is at $91.19 a barrel. Brent crude is at $94.12. $60 a barrel? What barrels are you talking about? Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. By the way, gas prices are going up because there are some refinery outages. The average price of gas per gallon across the U.S., $3.88. Compared to $3.67 a year ago. Let's call it three sixty eight a year ago. I'll, I'll round up, I'll round down. Three eighty eight today, three sixty eight a year ago. They're saying the reason is refinery outages in the western U.S. Now, maybe we should build a refinery or two. Nope, can't do that under this administration. Oh, don't get me wrong. You haven't done that under prior administrations either. But this administration cancels gas and oil leases while they beg OPEC to make to, to, to pump more, to put out more, to which OPEC says, no, nope, we're not interested. So much so that you've got the U.S. having to create deals with Nicolas Maduro of Venezuela, that thug, in order to try and get a little more access. Then again, this is the administration that gives $6 billion to Iran. That happened today. The prisoner swap happened today. I think Iran has also now taken even more prisoners. $6 billion being released that was frozen because of sanctions. And they actually tell you, the White House will actually tell you that it's okay because this money is only allowed to be used for humanitarian efforts. Right, and they were only trying to build out nuclear power for peaceful purposes. Sure, whatever you say, it's, it is radical in its hatred for the American citizen to make that statement. Oh, yeah, we're giving them $6 billion. We're releasing it to them, but they can only use it for humanitarian issues. They're just going to buy everybody a cheeseburger. That's all that's going to happen. Just buying everybody a cheeseburger, and that's it. Um, it's 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 Iran. That's probably not going to be cheeseburgers. Uh, it could be vegan cheese. Yeah, I'm willing to bet you it's not cheeseburgers. Probably... Probably, if if cheeseburger is code for some kind of missile being shot at Israel, then yes, everybody's getting a cheeseburger. Well, that's what I said, because clearly that's what they're going to buy. You know, quote unquote, cheeseburgers. 
Anybody who thinks this is going to be used for peaceful purposes is a damn fool. You would have to be Ben Rhodes ridiculous, like he thought the Iran nuclear deal was going to lead to some kind of peace. They never stop. They never rest. They never quit. They never stop believing this stuff and trying to get you to believe this stuff. It's embarrassing. It really is. Truly is. Embarrassing. But not as embarrassing as Senator John Fetterman in a hoodie. As you have heard by now. Um, Chuck Schumer, who heads up the Senate, Senate Majority Leader. Chuck Schumer has made the decision to change the dress code on the Senate floor. Now, if you're a guest, right, you go to the Senate, you're going to check some things out. You have to wear some kind of suit. You have to be present uh, in, in, in terms of you have to have your proper presentation, I should say. But if you're a member of the Senate, anything goes. This is known as the John Fetterman rule. That's what I'm calling it. That's what everybody's calling it. Somehow we decided that John Fetterman, who is not mentally okay, who likes to be in hoodies and shorts, well, why should he have to put on a suit to represent the people of the United States? He can wear a hoodie and shorts. It's fine. After all, he's battling depression. It's okay if he's comfy. Allow me to be the first to say, no, it's not. Changing the rules because of Senator Fetterman's issues is not good for Senator Fetterman's issues. I have spoken openly uh, about my own depression and my own suicidal thoughts. It's been a long time. Things are better. It wasn't so great then. I know, The suicide prevention hotline, you can just dial 988. I never did. You can, if, if you choose, never be afraid to, never be embarrassed to, just go about doing it. It never dawned on me for all the times I may have thought about how to end my own life when I was in my 20s, that somehow the world should change for me. It was that I couldn't get past my own my, my, my own nonsense, my own issues, my own angers, my own doubts. But never once in all the conversations I had with myself, all the things I said to myself, every, everything that was gone through, did I say, you know, things would be better if the world would just do this for me. Because it wasn't about the world, it was about me. I actually never thought about it in, in, the, in, in the other way. Ever once. I was living in Bradley Beach, New Jersey. And we lived on the second floor, my wife and I, we lived on the second floor of a house, two bedroom, one bath house. And uh, we only had air conditioning in like two rooms, uh, wall air conditioners. We only had air conditioning in two rooms. And there is, there is a good chunk of time. When I say a chunk of time, I mean months, maybe six months, maybe more. I couldn't tell you what I did every day. I cannot tell you what I did. I cannot tell you what happened. 
I have zero recollection. Now, I happen to have very, very few recollections of my own childhood. It's it's a weird thing. I don't I don't know why that is. Uh, college days. I'm telling you, I don't know a conversation I had. I don't know a thing I did for maybe six months in my in my uh, late twenties. I could not begin to tell you what was actually happening. That's how bad it was. It was awful. Um, in every conversation I had with myself about ways I could end this, never once did I say. If only people would let me wear a hoodie. Why are we changing the rules for John Fetterman? Because of depression? That's not a reason to change the rules. An understanding of the rules, an accepting of the rules, and accepting that there is boundaries, accepting that there are indeed standards, that's actually very important. My life got better. The very second I stopped lying to myself and lying to others. And not just about big things, about tiny things. What, what is, how, how you doing today? I tell people how I'm doing. Don't lie to yourself about your, your weight or your health. Don't lie to yourself about your feelings. Don't lie to yourself about your actions. How If you're doing something in a certain way and it's not working for you, don't lie or not making you feel good, not helping you. Don't lie to yourself about, well, this is just the way I answer the question. Ask yourself, is that the best way to do it? Because if it isn't helping you, then that way sucks. Why would you do something that sucks? And it sounds so simple now. It was, it, it, it was not then. So we're perfectly clear. I do not care about Senator John Fetterman's depression issues if it means the standards get obliterated. I would say to anybody with a depression issue, they should get the help that they need. But that doesn't mean you get to keep the job that you have. That might need to change. And certainly I have argued before and I will argue again that Senator John Fetterman should be nowhere near the U.S. Senate. It is disgusting and despicable that he was elected. Shame on the people of Pennsylvania. Shame on the people of Pennsylvania still who allow him to serve. Shame on his family that doesn't give a good holy damn about him. And shame on the Democratic Party more interested in power than they are in people. But now we're going to change a dress code. Why? Why would we do such a thing? The code itself matters. You know, there are rules in the Senate, rules in the House, about how members address one another. And how they don't disparage one another. These rules came long before Donald Trump and long before George Bush. The rules exist as a reminder of where they are. When I was at the Capitol not too long ago, I was there for a joint session of Congress to uh, hear the president of, of Israel, not the prime minister, Benjamin Benjamin Netanyahu, uh, but, the, but the president of Israel, address a joint session. 
And I was there in the gallery, and it was a spectacular, spectacular opportunity. And I'm thrilled that I that I, that I got the chance. Um, I was there in the rotunda. I I was I was there, and it was my first time actually in the Capitol. And there's actually a part near the House side that that it's 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 smaller, and it's where members of Congress actually used to meet. Before you know the, the the where you where we see everybody now, the members of Congress met in this smaller rotunda. I'll call it. There might be an official name for it. I forget. And there are actually plaques on the on the floor where certain members sat at their desk, um, and one of those plaques is for Abraham Lincoln, who was a member of Congress before being president. Uh, and you can stand at the at the spot. And you can look up and to the left, and there's a clock. There is a a, a clock that is there, and um, the, the 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 clock that's above this this archway, right? And you could walk through to get over to the Senate side. That's the clock that was there in the time of Abraham Lincoln. And if you are standing in the spot with the plaque where his desk was when he was a member of Congress representing, I think it's the, the 7th District of Illinois. And you look up at that clock that's exactly the same view that Abraham Lincoln had. How could you walk through that every day and not think, my God, how fortunate am I? How could you walk past that hour after hour and not at one moment just say to yourself, this is unbelievable. How could you think that doesn't deserve a standard? Tony, it's just a hoodie and shorts. There are real issues out there. What are you talking about? What are you complaining about? Why is this bothering you? The lack of standards. The lack of having a code destroys us. I favor boundaries. I favor standards. I favor understanding the rules of the road. I'm, this is a liberty society, not a democracy, if you will. Not this free-flowing thing. We do have boundaries and rules. And they aren't to constrict us. They are to set us free so we know how to act and operate. And I want the people who operate with the pleasure of being elected officials to remember where the hell they are and who the hell they represent. And if John Fetterman can't put on a pair of pants, screw John Fetterman. I don't want to hear about his wife, his kids, his constituents. Kiss off. There have to be standards. There have to be rules of the road. And no personal issue can change that. My own issues didn't mean we gave up being a republic as a nation. The standard must be adhered to to the very best of our ability because that way we get to see a better tomorrow. A reduction and elimination of setting a, a flame of the standards gets us nowhere. It destroys us. It destroys the soul and it destroys the nation. And John Fetterman isn't special. And the guy who allowed this, Chuck Schumer, is a despicable man who cares not about the standards.
cares not about the institution because he just showed us so. I'm Tony Katz. We are missing a jet. And the U.S. military is asking for help. Oh, oh you, mean, you mean a jet? Like a fighter jet? Yes. Yes, it's missing. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. So you had a Marine Corps pilot ejecting from an F-35 strike fighter. This was over North Charleston. So we're talking about South Carolina. Um, what happened after that is still a little bit of a question. But as uh, the story has been pieced together, is that the pilot ejected for whatever reason. The plane, maybe they thought it was going to crash. That does not seem to be the case. Or that is the case and somehow we don't know. Now, the pilot was taken to a local hospital in a stable condition. The plane, based on location and trajectory, was uh, focused on, I believe it's uh, Lake Moultrie and Lake Marion. But it it hasn't been pinging, right? Whatever is on the plane, the transponder, I believe it is called isn't returning any information. It isn't sending a signal. It is possible, although I would question the concept of probable, it is possible that that plane is still somewhere in the air flying on some level of autopilot. It is my belief that with all of our aircraft we have the ability to blow the thing to smithereens at any time because you don't want something like this happening and then our hardware getting into the wrong hands because the wrong hands doesn't mean it would be used against us it means that it would be reverse engineered and they, uh, you, whether it's China or somebody else, would try and make 50,000 of the things. It is odd that somehow we cannot get in touch with this plane. I think the odds would be that it crashed somewhere and we haven't found it yet. But this is weird. And the military actually said, hey, um, anybody seen our plane? Jay, if you see anything, let's. It's big. It moves faster than a balloon. If you see anything, just just let us know. That'd be great. Meanwhile, China's military sent over 100 warplanes toward Taiwan. This happening over a 24-hour period. 6 a.m. on Sunday and 6 a.m. on Monday. They turned back before reaching Taiwan. This was just a, hey, look what we can do. According to the Taiwan Defense Ministry, about 40 of the planes crossing uh, the symbolic median between mainland China and the island. This was more than 30 fighter jets and mid-air refueling tanker planes. And nine Chinese naval vessels, this according to military.com. So, you know, just a good reminder that China is, uh, well, doing China things. Meanwhile, we can't find a plane. Yeah, it's it's kind of embarrassing. 
This is Tony Katz today. It is the Colts 31, the Houston Texans 20. But that's only part of the story. Don't get me wrong. A win is a win is a win is a win. And it's it's clearly a team win. Offense doing their job. Defense doing their job. Special teams screwed out of a blocked field goal. But what are you going to do? Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. It's what they lost in the win that makes you wonder what the future looks like. Because, of course, Anthony Richardson got knocked out of this game in the concussion protocol after scoring two touchdowns, but they were both running touchdowns. Gardner Minshew comes into the game. He's 19 of 23 for 171 yards and a touchdown. Do you feel good going forward? They only really used one running back. That was Zach Moss. They did amass over 100 yards on the ground, but exactly what kind of running game do we have here? And the way Houston was able to at least attempt to come back makes you wonder if this defense can really be trusted to bend and not break. JMV joins us right now from 93.5-1075, the fan in Indianapolis. He is the voice of sports in Indiana. Let's start with Anthony Richardson in the concussion protocol. What happened? What's happening? Well, I mean, he got hit in that uh, second touchdown run. Um, you know, people thought he slowed up, which he did. Uh, players, his teammates said in the locker room yesterday, they felt was more that he didn't see Stewart coming on defensively to lay that hit on him, or maybe he would have protected himself a little bit better, which is a point that you and I will get into, I'm sure, coming up a little bit later on because that absolutely has to happen. But it was on that second touchdown run. Um, it was uh, symptoms, apparently, um, according to reports yesterday, that he's the one that went to the training staff and said, hey, I got something going on here. Thus, he ended up going into the tent and going back to the locker room, uh, being evaluated and then placed in concussion protocol and done for the game. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Alec Ogletree, uh, last week, you remember, in that opener, uh, got injured, had a concussion, he was cleared later on this past week, but he did not participate yesterday. And I would have to think that maybe the Colts handle Richardson even more carefully in this situation. So I, I guess as I sit here right now, Tony, I would tell you I would be surprised if he participates coming up on Sunday. And I don't know the, the severity of it. I don't know where he is within the, the whole uh, process of the concussion protocol. But I'd be surprised, you know, given how they handle these situations and also knowing that it's Anthony Richardson that he came out there and played, again, knowing what I know right now on this Monday. But I guess the good part about it is that Minshew Mania hit, and there was a reason why the Colts went out and got themselves the backup quarterback that they trusted, somebody that knows Shane Steichen's system, because the dude got in there the second quarter, Tony, and did not miss a beat. I don't I think find that's it, going to be great for Baltimore, but he didn't miss a beat, nonetheless. Well, let's get into that, because I find it interesting that yeah. when he refers to Coach Steichen, he calls him Shane. Gardner yeah. Minshew calls him Shane all the time, and it's like, that's super personal. That's almost unprofessional, yet somehow when Uncle Rico says it, you kind of dig what's going on. You're like, okay, and I think that while we still need to discuss more about Anthony Richardson's, uh, Richardson and, and and what happened here and what we think of his play. Uh, Garner Minshew threw a solid game, man. And you got to believe that the truth is, aside from Anthony Richardson's ability to move, his, phys- his, the, his physical ability to move, get out of certain uh, predicaments, when it comes to throwing the ball, Minshew is more precise than Richardson is. Yeah, he is. You can tell he's been in that system for a while, too. 
Tony, because he had not only that with the precision you're talking about with his arm, but also the timing. And a lot of that is timing. He was very patient with those plays to let them evolve. He threw a very catchable ball, got Josh Downs going a little bit there as well. He just came in. And granted, we do have to say this, Houston stinks. I mean, they stink, stink for a lot of reasons. Uh, But it doesn't matter. The Colts still go down and get a win. But Minshew was forced into a situation where everybody kind of wondered. And in that second quarter where he got those couple of touchdowns there, you could not have asked for anything better given the circumstances. And we'll see if he ultimately ends up being the starter coming up in Baltimore on Sunday, which is going to be a much more difficult task, to say the least. So let's go back to to Richardson. And and I believe there's no question in Baltimore Minshew's going to be the starter. We, we don't even have to question that. Of course, it's happening. I think it's going to be two games, not one. I'll put my money on yeah. that right now. I want to get back to Anthony Richardson and how you saw that first quarter of play. Is this too much running for you? Is this a guy who seems comfortable in the pocket? I know that's two questions, but it's really about the, the, really the latter. Is this a guy who right now is comfortable in the pocket preparing to throw that ball? Hey, Tony, part of the issue is here his signature is running. This offense is built around him being able to be mobile and athletic. So when you ask the question, is it too much running? Um, I mean, yesterday it was so early. You're, you're obviously saying no. Um, when it becomes too much running, I'll give you this. I'll give you a comparison. Andrew Luck, his signature going back with his mobility was always the quotable extension of the play. Hey, you know, that's his signature. He's out there. He extends the play, gets extra yardage or whatever. And that was always great. And everybody Tony talked about it. It was phenomenal until it wasn't, until the extension of the play led to being hit more. And those uh, injuries started to happen as well. I think that's when we're going to find out. Now, he has to evolve more of a, a pocket passer. And I guess what I'm trying to say is right now, no, it's not too much. One of these days, it absolutely will be. Trevor Lawrence told him last week with great advice saying, hey, you have to protect yourself. Don't take unnecessary hits. And really, that's what happened yesterday. That was an unnecessary hit. He dives into the end zone, protects himself. He's still out there playing, but he kind of cruises in, slows down, and takes a pop. And then, obviously, his head gets messed around a little bit. You go out, you're on concussion protocol. So, no, to answer your question again, right now, it is not too much. But further down the road in years and what we're talking about, yes, it's going to be too much, and he has to be more of a pocket presence, more confident in being able to throw into tight windows and more accurate, which I know all Colts fans are hoping to see one of these days. The defense, look, they had themselves a very, very, very good game uh, yesterday. They didn't have themselves a Micah Parsons game in that Cowboys game, um, uh, against the Jets. Uh, but they had themselves a, a very, very good game. Uh, is, is this still Shaquille Leonard's defense or is this now the EJ speed Zaire Franklin defense? Well, I mean, those guys are playing as well. Certainly no doubt. I, I said this yesterday in a tweet. I said, I, I, I know that rotationally speaking, Gus Bradley changes out defensive parts, uh, you know, given the situations. I understand that part. But whenever EJ Speed comes off the field, I get bummed out because he is a playmaker. And a lot has been made, certainly, 
with the return of Shaquille Leonard, a lot has been made about Zaire Franklin last week, the 18, 19 tackles he had and what he has transformed into. I don't think enough nearly is being made about EJ Speed because we're watching him evolve, I think, right before our eyes as a really good football player. Just as a matter of just as a matter of statistics. Hold on there. Six uh, total uh, tackles. Six of them are solo. One sack and two uh, tackles for a loss. That's what EJ Speed. He always seems like yeah, and those those are the stats you know in which you reference when you bring him up. It just seems to me this is my eyeball test here. Seems like he's always somewhere around the play. And these are similar things that we said about who? About Shaquille Leonard. We said that he's always around the ball. He's always around the play, always there making plays. That's how I feel about EJ Speed, and that's how he used to feel as well when he first started to get that notoriety about Shaquille Leonard. So, yeah, very impressed with the linebackers. You mentioned the leader of this team. Defensively, without question, is DeForest Buckner. I think we can all come to that conclusion right now and really what the defensive line yesterday Tony did was what we talked about it needed to do in week number one against Jacksonville that may have been the only edge that they had in that opener was the defensive line against the Jaguars offensive line they took advantage of that for three and a half quarters they took advantage of that the entire game yesterday that should always or at least almost always be their advantage and at least in the first two weeks, they've taken advantage of just that. The Texans were a match unit, you know, along that offensive line. I mean, it was really a joke for a week number two situation to have that many bodies down and that lack of cohesion. I thought that C.J. Stroud, for what he put up, was phenomenal considering what he had to work with around him. I, I thought it was a phenomenal performance for him. But, uh, yeah, Houston was a mess, and the Colts up front defensively, Tony, took full advantage of that. You take a look going forward. You take a look at what's going to take to get again to go against the Ravens to go against Lamar Jackson, and I, I certainly can't speak for the Ravens defense. Your coach Shane Steichen. You don't have Anthony Richardson. You got a questionable running game. I mean, you only ran Zach Moss. He got eighty-eight yards. It's impressive stuff, by the way. But none of my none of my guy Jake Funk. Nobody else uh, really in there to to try and, and make things happen. You need to give Gardner Minshew a little bit of extra protection compared to Richardson because of the mobility issue. What kind of offense are you putting in? What do you expect to see Shane Steichen roll with come next week uh, in Baltimore? Yeah, I just I think it's going to be a more what you saw with Minshew coming in that game yesterday. It's going to be more of those kind of, Rhythm, passing plays, you know, the stuff that, that Minshew was so good at yesterday. It wasn't so much, you know, just the strength of his arm or anything. He was incredibly accurate. He put the ball on the money, no doubt about that. But it was the, the whole timing of the issue, too, that that was a big deal. Now, granted, Tony, we got to remember that the advanced scout will end up catching up. I thought Shane Steichen had an outstanding game coaching yesterday. He really did. You know, even beyond that whole making them use the timeout type of thing in the fourth quarter late in that game. Oh, but with the whole the, fake the, punt, not fake punt thing? What's that, buddy? Like they, they, they had gone out to punt yeah, and then they dropped right, the offense right. back on. You're like, oh, that's good. Right. So, yeah, he he, he made uh, D'Amico Ryan's you know, waste of timeout in that situation. I mean, that would just stood out because you don't normally see that type of maneuver coaching-wise. But I, what I really thought, and you can play off of this as well, both games in introducing Anthony Richardson to the NFL, I think Shane has done a great job in doing just that. You know, not overwhelming him, not overloading him, getting him comfortable, getting him confident, whether it's, you know, running 
or throwing. Now the problem is he hasn't finished either game, and that's the biggest problem. And again, that's the category of you got to make sure you protect yourself to the best that you can. But you know, you're talking about next week. The uh, the Zach Moss all but one snap. Uh, that is something that you cannot sustain. I mean, you just cannot sustain in the NFL. So we're going to find somebody else. I think what that did say is you know, exactly what they thought about everybody else. And sorry about that. I guess the funk was probably involved in that. Certainly Deion Jackson was involved in that decision. But people ask me, so does this mean they don't need Jonathan Taylor? Well, of course it doesn't mean they don't need Jonathan Taylor. But what it did mean yesterday, that Zach Moss was huge. And that, to me, his stat line was what was most necessary in winning that game. You can look at a lot of other things, but the embarrassing lack of running they had last weekend uh, in that loss to Jacksonville, I thought what Zach Moss brought to the table was as important as any reason why the Colts won that game yesterday See, in Houston. I, I look at the at Zach Moss in the 88 yards, and I never said to myself, well, does this prove you need or don't need uh, uh, Jonathan Taylor? Because I think that's inconsequential. I, JMV, what I said is – uh, that this proves that the offensive line has to make openings no matter who the defensive line is. Are they prepared to actually be that kind of O-line going forward? And the question to you I is know. yes or no. Yeah. They looked good yesterday. I know, I, I've been on them enough, uh, negatively speaking, where I, I need to give credit where credit is due, and they look good. And, and no matter who they are up against, that offensive line played as well as we've seen in a while. In fact, I think you look it up and down offensively. That was as seamless even with that injury to Richardson an offensive performance that we've seen in a long time I mean when you look at it from top to bottom that was a really nice offensive performance and we haven't seen a lot of those in in recent history but no give the offensive line a lot of credit because yesterday they did what they should have done in that situation they they dominated and you know Houston just looked like a mess. I mean, even past that, you look at the play calling down the stretch. They're down three touchdowns, and, you know, they were calling plays in that fourth quarter from the bench like they're up three touchdowns. It was kind of amazing how they were trying to work with that. I felt at times bad for C.J. Stroud, but I think I saw enough to know, that given those circumstances, Stroud's going to be a problem in the AFC South for everybody for a long period of time. He's going to become – a good quarterback for those that just say, well, he's from Ohio State. Look at all these other Ohio State guys that suck or whatever. Hey, this is not going to be the case. This kid's going to be really good, especially when they get some workable parts around him. The AFC South will soon have Trevor Lawrence and C.J. Stroud and Anthony Richardson and very possibly Will Levis. That may that change may come. <laughs> yeah, very possibly, yes. In, uh, in yeah. Tennessee, uh, this is going to be a quarterback freak show. Uh, very possible in the next couple of years. JMV 93.5107.5, the fan in Indianapolis, the voice of sports in Indiana. Always appreciate it. Keep it here. I'm Tony Katz. This is Tony Katz Today. Yeah. Bernie Sanders, communist. Well, sorry, just, you know, it's his party. You know, Bernie Sanders, senator from Vermont, communist party. What? Is, is telling the truth now a crime? Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, good to be with you. Bernie Sanders doing absolutely positively nothing to help out with the UAW strike. Of course, this is against the auto workers. He's like, I'm on the side of the UAW and those greedy, greedy corporations. We should have a four-day work week. And Oh, 
Bernie just never, never, never quits. A man who has never created anything a day in his life is desperate to tell people who create things what they should be doing with their creations and how they have to take care of the people who they hire to make the creations that they come up with. I'm not anti-rank-and-file of the UAW. I'm certainly not a fan of the union itself. Not a fan of the union leaders, and I haven't been for a good long while. I understand the rank-and-file, though. What I don't understand is Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders never created anything a day in his life. He is a mooch from the word go. Never created anything, never signed the front of a paycheck. He is valueless to society. What he has done is mooched off society. Found ways to get paid for not creating, only taking. Bernie Sanders is a taker. It's okay to be angry about Bernie Sanders. He's a terrible guy. And he isn't a role model for anyone. But you want to call uh, the uh, the big three, four GM Stellantis, which used to be Fiat Chrysler. They're just greedy. Okay. Doesn't do anything to help. You're not doing anything to help. You've got this base. You want to gin up that base. You don't actually care. You don't care. If these people donate to you, you're fine with them. I am, am tired of hearing about Bernie Sanders as some kind of, of decent guy because he plays baseball with his grandkids. Good. Good for him. Why does he hate my grandkids so much? I don't even have them yet. But he does. He's not going to help this strike come to a close. Don't forget that. But he will take the union money once a new deal is struck. This is Tony Katz today. Tony Katz.